Frank Commode was a literary critic that some of you may be familiar with. And in an essay on the theory of fiction, he writes that human beings are eager for an ending. We can't bear to have a story no less reality without a conclusion. To illustrate, Commode asks, what does a clock say? Tick tock. Which is strange because if you think about it, a clock actually doesn't say anything, especially if you were born in the last two decades. It just ticks along with no sense of an end or a beginning. But, Kermode observes, to the human mind, the clock says tick tock. Quoting him, Aristotle defined plot as a beginning, middle, and end. Every beginning tick provokes a narrative crisis, a muddled middle where some dilemma is cast, some crisis needing resolution, demanding an ending in which the anxiety is resolved, finished into a satisfying, bearable talk. The clock says tick, but then graciously says talk. There is something deeply human about wanting an ending to a story. You would know this if you have ever read a story to a child and had to stop in the middle, or found yourself watching an awful movie to its end simply because you started it. We are bound by this sense of an end. This is true in how we perceive art, how we listen to music, how we think about our lives. To be stuck in the middle of an unresolved story is discomforting and creates anxiety. I begin with this, I bring this up tonight, on this night of nights, to note my dis-ease with the unbearable tension into which we enter into this darkness that leaves us, for the lack of a better word, hanging in the middle of a story. As we just read, Jesus is brought through the injustice of a manipulated trial, flogged, humiliated, laid with the crown of thorns, mocked by his abusers. And the disgrace is only just the beginning as Pilate brings Jesus before a frenzied mob. And in an ugly act of democracy of some sorts, Pilate obliges this mob as they, as we, cry, crucify him, crucify him. And with every step that Jesus takes bearing the cross, and with every word that he utters as he hung crucified that reveals his humanity, with every humiliation he wrongly suffers, we are brought deeper and deeper into this unbearable tension, the crisis point of all history, as our hearts break, as we are left to wonder if Christ's death is not unlike every other death that we have had to face in our lifetime. Sad, broken, and terminal. We anxiously await a happy resolution to this night. Instead, what we get is Jesus breathing his last breath, speaking his last words, 
It is finished. Is this really the end, though? Is this really the violent, bloody, unjust, humiliating talk that ends all the hope, all the yearning, and all the promise of the tick that began this story? Is it finished? It would be so nice to fast forward through these pages and find out what Jesus really meant by these last words. But tonight, especially tonight, we don't get to do that. Like John and the Marys, we are called upon to linger at the foot of the cross. We sit with the disciples, anxiously wondering what Jesus might have meant. It would be so nice to rush to the happy ending of the resurrection or write a, write a version of a story where things didn't have to happen like this. Christians have been trying to do this for years, to write a better ending, right? To diffuse the tension somewhat. The death of Christ that I grew up with so often was told to me more like a strategic retreat, whereby Jesus fooled the enemy with a sort of a Christian version of a Trojan horse trick. Tension is too heavy. So let's get to the end before the end gets us. But tonight, we're learning what it means to sit with the unresolved tension of the story of God whose ending can only be written by God himself. Christ hangs on the cross, and our journey as disciples is to sit at the foot of the cross, crucified between our hopes and reality. And I am not allowed to give you this text does not allow us to skip over to the end, to give a happy conclusion, a satisfying talk. Even our liturgy does not allow for us to do that tonight. There is no holy bread, there's no wine to give us comfort. So we sit here learning to trust that God will finish the story as only God can finish stories. If you think about it, this unresolved tension between crisis and resolution is so much of this life. Why do the righteous suffer? Why do the innocent die? Why do the wicked prosper? Anybody ever go through tough times that brings up unresolvable questions in your heart only to have someone well-intentioned come along and try to solve that for you, perhaps with a nice truism about how God has a purpose for you in this life, in this situation? The problem with that, a statement like that, isn't that it's theologically untrue, but that when we attempt to shortcut God's story about us and write in such endings in God's behalf, in defense of him sometimes, we inevitably trivialize reality, we trivialize the stories, and we trivialize the questions. Any recovering addict of anything, we, anything know that we're only setting, up, setting ourselves up for failure if we believed our own tidy little stories of how we have finished a certain chapter in our lives. Sin makes us want to engineer our own endings. It is human, however, to want an ending. We want answers to questions that can't be answered. We want our stories to make sense, but in the most important ways, with the most important questions, our only hope is that someday that God will finish our story. So this night, when we remember the cross, it's a reminder that God knows our stories. God knows 
a longing for an ending, and a reminder to hope, continue to hope, that he will finish these stories. The Isaiah passages provide our comfort tonight. He was despised and rejected, a man of suffering, who took up our pain and bore our suffering, stricken, afflicted, pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, and by his wounds we are healed. Tonight, then, is a reminder that the cross is God's solidarity with us in this life of in-betweens. His pain, his rejection, his suffering, his injustice, his loss, this is divine empathy in the most ultimate form. Bears our sins, goes through the cross. And as we sit here trying to identify with the cross, what becomes clear to us, I think, is that the cross is God's identification with us. We sit here with all the bloody, sin-tattered mess that we have created in our lives that we find ourselves in, now trusting that God will write the ending, trusting in his final resolution, his redemption of his, of our stories.